We're back, we're live, we're on SAFM. The time is 21.12. Now a conversation with Ms. Nadia Fissa. National Child Protection Week is commemorated in the country annually to raise awareness on the rights of the children. The campaign, launched in 1997, strives to mobilize all facets of society to secure the protection and care of children. Even if the project is under the direction of Minister of Social Development, it is every citizen's responsibility to play one's role and part in safeguarding children and fostering a secure environment for them. This evening, we'll concentrate on keeping our kids safe online. Today, keeping them away from strangers on the streets is no longer enough. They must also be protected from the digital world. Certainly very true given the fact that digital uptake has just grown exponentially and there's no sign of that letting up. Good evening, Nadia Fissa. Welcome to SAFM. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Sangezo. I suppose the question is, what has gotten, if you will, the institutions and those who are involved in the safeguarding of children to sit up and take notice what is it about the online world that makes children especially vulnerable well i think firstly what i I would like to first say is that if you ask any parent the the answer will be quite normal and standard that they want to have their kids be safe um albeit online or at school or in any other situation where there is a possible threat so for us in the digital and online industry, it's the same. We go to the utmost lengths to keep all young users safe. We need to educate our kids from a young age about the risks online and how to avoid it, alternatively on how to report these threats. There is a massive responsibility on our parents or on adults to constantly check in with your kids on anything that they might have come across online. And um, to ensure your safety of your child online, it's important to also keep an open dialogue, you know, with your kids. But it's also imperative for adults of young kids to understand those risks ourselves, you know, and keep ourselves up to date with the latest technologies on social media trends. That doesn't come very naturally, I suppose, in this very techno-savvy age of young people versus perhaps many of their parents. I mean with respect, but I would imagine many people over, I'm just going to come up with an arbitrary age for the sake of reference, over the age of 50, technology is not something that they can quickly take to or not quickly or not as adept, say, as their teenage children might. And that obviously creates a discrepancy of some kind, the kind that doesn't quite allow the parent to engage the safeguards as you would ideally have. Yes, well, I think um, it is it is a difficult task to stay abreast of what is happening online. It is a bit of a challenge because trends shift so quickly. But as a parent and as a, as a parent myself, I, I need to ensure that when my child browses online, where, what they are doing, and obviously for me, communication is key. Like I said, you need to keep that open dialogue. You you need to have an open door policy. Have them share with you if there's anything that that they might have come across that made them feel unsafe or uncomfortable for that sake. Childline and other institutions of the child protection space. How coordinated are these initiatives, both those of the state, those of the NGO sector, and to whatever extent in the private sector for the purposes of ensuring 
a child for as long as possible, as much as possible, remains a child. What can you reflect on in relation to the arrangement of these bodies and doors for the purposes of ensuring the best interests of the child are always catered for? Well, I think the institutions that have been placed um, in society at this stage for for children to reach out is that these institutions need, need to ensure that they've created a safe space for kids to go, not to be scared to, to mention, to say that there was someone stalking them online or someone is cyberbullying them. Um, we, we need to, for me, communication is key. Um, we need to keep that open door where, where children have the, the ability and not be scared or threatened in going to a child line, for instance, or albeit not a, a, a parent um, to a teacher or any responsible adult. Um, those, I, I would say that those, those channels are definitely there for kids to use. How, if these children are very well educated on using these channels, that is something that, that I think schools and um, any other institutions where, where children are involved need to actually you know, bring to the fore and, and speak to these kids about it. Because I don't think that there is a lot of education on where can you report cyber crimes or where can you report a cyber bully or if someone's being inappropriate to you online. That is very important. Here's something, and I might not necessarily be popular with some quarters out there given the way the world is moving, but there certainly is always and has always been the strong argument that children with gadgets are themselves an enemy to themselves. In other words, what happened to the good old days, and I say that quite deliberately just to juxtapose the good old days to the reality of today's world of children being outside, enjoying the sun, playing with other children and getting the necessary physical and psychological development from engaging very socially outside of their very antisocial space that the online world presents. Is there scope for a conversation of that kind that a child will always be a child and the best way to ensure a child becomes and remains a child is to be outside, engage the environment and the elements that come with that and perhaps use the online world perhaps for educational purposes as opposed to for social purposes. Is there room for that sort of conversation? Absolutely. I think for myself, I'm an, I'm an elder millennial myself. <laughs> I'm in my late 30s. And I've, I grew up outside, playing outside, only coming back in. Well, I grew up in a small town, so only coming back in when the sun sets. But I feel that there's definitely a little bit more conversation that can be held with your kids. Um, I know it's not easy. It's We're living in a digital space. We are living in the 21st century where everything that if it comes to school projects, games, anything to that extent is on a screen, a, a tiny screen in front of you. And having a conversation with your child about, listen, let's go out and do something. Let's put the phones away. Let's not worry about it. And let's do something as a family together. There's definitely a space for, for that types of conversations to, to happen. But obviously it, it, it differs from 
one family dynamic to, to the next. We're in conversation with a board member at the Wireless Application Service Providers Association, WESPA. She's a board member there, Ms. Nadia Fissa. It's National Child Protection Week, this year commemorated in the country annually to raise awareness on the rights of children and the importance, or rather the theme this year, is around keeping safe the kids online. Now, here is something which perhaps just moves the conversation ever so slightly, but nonetheless in keeping with what we are talking about. There is a statistic recently that came out that confirms that in excess of 80 80% of children, up to grade four level anyway, cannot read for meaning. They can read, but they cannot read for meaning as what would be expected of the typical 10-year-old. Is that not a concern? One, two, how do we ensure, as with the uptake of technology, the access to education and other facilities where perhaps the school system cannot go or the government system in particular cannot go, technology can be used to plug those gaps so that that kind of statistic that says children in excess of 80% cannot read for meaning at grade four level, inroads can be made. In other words, how can we responsibly combine education child safety and responsible and effective use of technology? I think that there is a huge array of online apps and applications and programs that are accessible to anyone with a smart device, or with a smartphone or with a laptop. Um, and for educational purposes and something that can be brought into schools, um, those, a multitude of those programs are at a very low cost or even for free um, to make learning or uh, learning to read fun. You, you have to put something in front of a child that, that actually kind of motivates them, you know, um, to, to be able to read and understand what they read and comprehend um, on on what they are reading, you know. So it is. It for me, it's, it's well, not just for myself, but I think mm. for anyone out there that um, being brought up in this digital age, kids usually go and watch a YouTube video um, instead of going to an educational app where they sit and learn and learn how to read and learn how to to spell because I think that's that's one of the, yeah, the sure. biggest concerns concerns as well is children have very very little resources when it comes to spelling um, and if you can at home have your child sit in front of have, have give them a little bit of screen time but monitor it and make sure that they are using an educational app which there is a multitude out there um, if if you can, in that aspect, assist your child in, in learning how to read, that would be fantastic. And I think um, not taking away the praise to the educators um, at schools, but I mean also that they are very inundated with, with other things that they also need to worry about. And as a parent, the responsibility is on you to assist with your child's education. I'm, I'm fully in agreement with that. 
Any parents out there who want to offer their views in terms of how they have struck the balance between their children, their children and technology, particularly gadgets, and ensuring that there's a healthy balance between participating really in the reality of the world and nonetheless ensuring that a child is a child because a child can only be a child for not too long. We certainly would appreciate your views. And certainly tell us about the struggle it has been for those on the other end of the spectrum in just making sure that your child is not into gaming and the kinds of content that if you are not savvy enough or have sufficient restrictions, your child can then become somebody who you don't even recognize. I really would like some anecdotes from parents. I mean, Nadia herself has not minced her words about the fact that she is uh, a millennial, to use her words, but at the same time, she's a parent <laughs> and she has to deal with these issues. So who else can share in what Nadia's perspective is? Oh, I would love to offer my own, but I don't even know if I can make kids. 2125 is now the time, and we have one voice note. And your guest, you know, so you're talking about the stuff that is very close to my heart. Uh, my child at 10, she has a Facebook account, and I know that it's not the one who, is, who has created the account, it's the mother. We are not in the talking mode. I've never seen the child for the past three years. And I know this account, it's used to sneak on me or, or others. Uh, the mother does not want to be on social media. She's not on social media, not any of those. So I don't know what to do with this account because when I was just, I just came to my head that let me just check something. And then I just, boom, see my daughter is here. She has a, a, a Facebook account. So really, I don't know what to do. Because if I have to talk about it, Isosuk, there will be war. Are you in any way able to advance that conversation for the best interest of the child then, Nadia? <clears throat> well, what I would say is for in, always, and one thing that I've always stand firm for, um, and this is even from prior from me being in this digital spatial, in this industry, I, I used to do quite a lot of um, labor, work in a, labor, uh, in a law firm for children and maintenance and the, all those types of things. So for me, the most important thing is the best interest of a child always. So when it comes to having children of a very young age on a social media platform. Obviously, that is the parent's prerogative. Um, I know what I would have done in, in, in that instance, um, but when you do have a child on a social media platform, there are certain measures that you need to put in place for your child's online security. So, for instance, firstly, set online rules and enforce these rules. So if you've got a child that is of an age that I don't necessarily know, 10 years old is of that age, where they can understand what they are taught or what they are putting themselves out there for, draw up like something like a contract of sorts and have them pledged to adhere to these rules to avoid internet access being restricted, for instance. So encourage an open and honest communication with your child. Um, you know, create that safe space for your child to share when they've had an unpleasant experience. 
Um, as an adult, it's very easy for us to completely lose the plot and start ranting at your child if you find something in their browser history or on their social media platform that is not allowed according to your, to your rules. Um, but when you do find something important to be calm and create that safe space to engage with your child and why it's inappropriate to visit subbing websites or to engage with someone that they don't know from a bar of soap. You know, it's, it's really dangerous and it's something that you need four pairs of eyes on constantly if, if, if that is the case. Um, education on both the adult or the parent side as well as the child side is very important. Uh, I think I've discussed education and awareness a lot already tonight, but it's so crucial to teach your, ch your children to not share personal information online. Teach them that when you have posted something online, you can never take that back. Um, it will always remain there. And be sure to update privacy settings. That is the most important thing that I think I can speak to, is you don't want, want someone that's not familiar with your child to start stalking their online posts. Um, it is, it's, for me, in my personal perspective, it's, it's a very treacherous, unsafe environment and obviously I think for the guys that have these social media platforms is, is that they should put some restrictions on there that say that you can only join the social media if you are of a certain, certain age. And I certainly wouldn't want to be sexist or, or sexist or in any other way gender specific as I say this but I think generally speaking though we can reasonably agree that the girl child would be probably under more surveillance and therefore under a lot more vulnerabilities in the space of social media, having an online presence. I mean, I'm just reflecting on the voice note that we feel that the gentleman is referring to his daughter who has an account that he certainly hasn't sanctioned. He and the mother are not on speaking terms, and he has a variable suspicion that it would be the mother. Could we just talk about how pronounced the dangers of girl children are in this world of human trafficking and the high rate of sex offences on girl children, on women at large, even the elderly? Well, Sangeza, I think I can go on about this topic for hours and hours, but from my perspective, the two most important factors here in the fight of keeping our kids protected um, is making your child aware of the dangers. Sit them down and explain to them that, you know, cyberbullying in certain instances can maybe even be worse than school ground bullying for me. I think because they are bullying, there's a bully or a troll is faceless online. Um, and you've got someone with an unimaginative, uh, unimaginative username that's looking at your 10-year-old daughter's um, Instagram pictures and making untoward comments about her weight or what she dresses, um, or someone that's completely faceless, um, digging into them for whatsoever reason. And that is why I said your privacy settings of your child's account should be of the most utmost importance. When you have a child with a social media account, ensure that those privacy settings are set only to allow people they know or that, are, that is known to your child to access their content. Um, 
that is on the on the one hand. On the second hand, something that's even worse is uh, sexual predators actually grooming children. Um, where an individual is posing as a love interest of a similar age, say for instance now for a 14-year-old girl, mm. but in actual fact this is a very disturbed adult somewhere sitting in a basement on his internet posing as a 14-year-old boy um, or love interest, you know, and the amount of stats and prevalence of this occurring daily is, is staggering. Again, speaking to your kids and teenagers with access to chat sites or interactive applications where you can speak to other users, educate them that there is a possibility of someone living on the other side of the world who has some nefarious intentions. Teach them to be wary of someone who just wants to talk, as talking could lead to other sinister things that can cause irreparable damage to your child. Mm, 2133, we have to wrap up this conversation, but I can't resist this one voice note before Miss Nadia Fisser zones out. Hi, Songezo. Hi, Natasha. This is Felicity from Johannesburg. You know, things are moving so fast, so fast. It's it's difficult for parents to be hands-on on everything. But I would like to ask parents not to allow their children to have passwords and keep those passwords from the parent. What is your child hiding on that phone? It is so sad for me to share this story, but in a couple of weeks, my cousin, who is 38, is going to be a grandmother. Her 17-year-old has just been messing with boys, and she didn't know that. She gave her child privacy. She let the child have a cell phone, and she wouldn't dare touch that cell phone or ask who the child is talking to at 10 p.m. So I don't negotiate with children. It is my responsibility as a parent to keep the child safe. Yeah, we'll argue about that tomorrow. Does it even require an argument? Thank you so much, Felicity. I beg your pardon, Nadia. I, for some reason, said Natasha. Many, many no apologies for that. 2134. <laughs> Felicity raises an important point, I think. The parent has to risk being unpopular in the name of the child's safety. Final comment. I would say that I'm your parent and I'm not your friend. You know, that's, that's the stance that we need to take. We are the responsible adults here. We need to ensure the safety of our children. doesn't matter what it takes, even if you are going to be unpopular and be ignored for months on end because you either took the password or the handset away. Um, if it's for your child's own good, let them, let them be angry. One day when they're your age and they have children of their own, they will most definitely see the value in it and know that you're only there for protecting them. And we are aware that we can't protect our children against everything, but we can take certain conscious steps to minimize these dangers. And as a parent myself, I will go to the utmost length to ensure the safety of my daughter, as I'm sure many of our listeners here can agree. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts, Ms. Nadia Fissa. Wireless Application Service Providers Association, WESPA, board member talking to us about the dangers of children and how we parents have a role to play in ensuring that our children are safe especially in the online world. The time now is 21.35 and we've reached the final segment of the program where we engage in a bit of Legal 101. And the question this evening is, buying or selling a home? 
the things to know, the things to do, and especially the things not to do. Drop us, please, a WhatsApp voice note on 0614104107 or call us with your questions on 086 Trudy Brookman, an attorney specializing in consumer law, returns after this break. <laughs> 